During the coronavirus pandemic, we're facing more loneliness than ever before. So Lene and I wanted to revisit an episode from a year ago where we had an expert speak on the topic. It's Sandy, and on behalf of Lene and myself, welcome to Imagine Yourself. Let's jump to August 2019. We just hope that by the end of this episode, you will see so clearly that yes, people need people. And we want to offer tangible ways to connect with others, whether you're the one experiencing the loneliness, or if you're the person who gets to help lift someone up out of their loneliness. So we today have reached out to Matt Lawson. He's a licensed professional counselor with Chicago Compass Counseling. He specializes in various areas, but I love that he also focuses on healthy lifestyle creation. So we want to get help and advice from someone who sees loneliness as a significant issue, who sees people struggling with it, and who can help us. Matt Lawson, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about this. It's something that I see a lot of. When we talk about loneliness, there may be a little bit of a misconception, too, because we may have a lot of people around us, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're not lonely, right? Exactly. I'm really glad you brought that up to kind of open things. You say the word and the perception is maybe this person that has all the blinds and windows shut in their house sitting in the dark watching television by themselves with this forlorn look on their face. (laughs) But the reality of it is it's not so much the number of people that we have in our lives or what we do day to day. It's really the mindset. It's really the way that we think about our world, the way we think about ourselves. And then people can be absolutely surrounded by groups of individuals and still feel lonely. They actually did a study back in 2016, I believe, where they followed about 1,200 people around over the age of six years old. And of those people that reported chronic loneliness, about half were actually married. Wow. Oh, my goodness. This is affecting not just the youth, not just seniors, but middle-aged, young people, older people, everybody, huh? Absolutely, yeah. I think the focus used to kind of be on the latter years in our lives and the loneliness that we experience. Maybe that empty nester or that retiree that maybe lost a loved one or their significant other that really doesn't have much of a social life anymore. But we're seeing this impacting people across the board, regardless of their age, regardless of their socioeconomic status, whatever. And people who are married. That is just (laughs) interesting to me. And probably that doesn't mean they have a bad marriage, right? Just because they feel lonely in the marriage? Or does it? It doesn't necessarily. Loneliness is a state of mind. You can seemingly be happy with your marriage. You can seemingly be happy with your life, but still kind of hold on to these thoughts and feelings around loneliness and being alone and not feeling connected to individuals. Oftentimes when we see this, there is kind of, I wouldn't say a difficulty with communication, but maybe there's something that their significant other is missing or they're missing that's just not giving them the depth of connection that they want. Maybe something's happened at work or something's happened in their lives where one of the significant others in the relationship has just kind of been a lot busier than lately and just not spending as much time at home, not spending as much time with the people in their lives. And then you kind of get this these feelings of loneliness popping up as well. I'm wondering if that's been happening more often in this society because... I feel like people either say they're so much busier than they used to, or they really are so much busier than they used to be. Or they're feeling busier, overwhelmed, whatever, yeah. That mindset, state of mind thing again, yeah. And that makes it harder to make time for others? 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to wag my finger at different corporations and companies. I don't want to generalize too much because there are companies that absolutely are very good about employee self-care and making sure their employees are treated well and take their vacation time and things like that and tend to their family lives. But there are a lot of companies out there still that still have this work-is-life mentality and people are working like crazy hours, 14 and 15-hour days. And even when they're home, they're connected by email or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that drives me absolutely insane. At the same time, you know, it's so hard to absolutely disconnect from our work life. You have to be very mindful and create those boundaries. Because it sounds like what you're saying is people are doing a better job of connecting with their devices than connecting with their spouses (laughs) and their friends. And it's just a shame. And then speaking of connections with devices, people have all those connections on their social networks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, that Uh, those many times are not real at all. So kind of going back to this idea of loneliness as a state of mind, it's very much so connected to personality type. You can have that person, maybe that teenager or that young adult, that they look at their Facebook and they look at their, actually we're seeing a lot of younger adults connecting with each other through video games Mm. a lot these days and that's like their new social network like the days of facebook and things like that are kind of like eh, um, and they're actually connecting out through Fortnite and they're talking to each other through that game but yeah they are connecting there and depending on the personality types some will report that feeling of loneliness but we also need to separate that from the the sense of social isolation because they are two different things okay you can be somebody that's lonely and not socially isolated. And then you can also have somebody that's socially isolated, but not necessarily lonely. Ah, that that does. So you have the person who maybe likes their alone time. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Loneliness isn't necessarily always a negative thing. I don't know if you have any introverts in your life, but when we talk about introversion versus extroversion, especially from a therapeutic point of view, it's not necessarily the idea of the person that the extrovert is the person that goes to the party and they're the life of the party and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the introvert is maybe not even at that party or if they are at the party, they're up against the wall. It's not necessarily what we're talking about from a therapeutic point of view when we're talking about introversion versus extroversion. What we're talking about here is how people energize. Some people do very well energizing when they're around other people. I'm one of those people. I love being around people regardless of what's going on, even if it's sitting at a coffee shop and just being around people. That's one of the ways I energize. Other people I know, maybe the introverts that you know in your life, they need that alone time. They need to lock that office door sometimes and just have that space. So you're saying being alone or wanting to be alone does not necessarily equal loneliness. Right. Loneliness is actually a part of our lives. We go through periods of time when we prefer to be alone. What we really look at when we look at this becoming a problem is how long is it going on for? Like with social isolation, it's one thing for your team to go lock themselves in their room for periods of time, a couple of days, whatever. Another thing for them to do it for a couple of weeks. And that's when we start looking at like, okay, well, what's going on here? There's a deeper problem that needs to be looked at. I like that, Matt. Now, I don't know if this is the best time or not, but I really honed in on this quote about loneliness. And it said that loneliness is a sign you are in desperate need of yourself. And so when you say things like that, it makes me think that sometimes the way through all of this might be by going within and evaluating some things within yourself 
and spending some time loving and being with yourself to help that mindset that you mentioned to begin to change and lighten up and, and turn directions. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. If we think of loneliness or the feeling of loneliness as a cue, like hunger, if you're hungry, it means you should probably eat something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's you not know, necessarily it's a bad thing. thing. It's just an indicator. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. You can be hungry and actually need to eat. You can feel tired. That means it's time to go to bed. If you're feeling lonely, this is a cue, just like anything else. This is something that we've developed as human beings. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of saying, hey, you need to check yourself. Maybe there's some connections that you need to revisit in your life with other people. Maybe there's somebody that you need to reach out to that you haven't reached out to in a while. If we look at this more as a cue in our lives to be like, okay, this is me needing to check that. Because we are social beings. Yes. The most introverted individual needs deep connection in their lives. Even though they like their alone time, we are social beings and we do actually need connection. We need relationships to strive. Connection seems to be the word of the day. It seems to define really what we need as opposed to do we need to be around people or not be around to mm-hmm. people. It's just the need to connect in some way. Correct. How do we develop those? Because I'm wondering if sometimes it's a situation where people have a fear or intimidation of stepping forward to try to find their place and find people and activities or that person mm-hmm. where they could connect. Even like you said, someone who's married, perhaps the one of the spouse needs someone in their own little circle to be able to connect with because you can't have everything rely on your husband or, or wife. What about those people who have trouble taking that first step? This is where we can kind of take a broader look at the social scope around what loneliness is in our society, within groups of people, and really start to push change. The trappings of social media is this idea that we're connecting to others, right? We have thousands of friends, supposedly, (laughs) on these networks that we connect with. In reality, we need depth connections. Depth connections, good way to put it. Yes. It's interesting because we've actually seen declines in social groups, like civic groups, religious groups, groups that we typically have relied on to connect with others in. And I think that's something that really needs to be revisited and looked at in our society, in our cities. These are great places for people to really connect with others. But they're feeling like they don't have to connect in real life because they're connecting on Instagram or Snapchat Mm -hmm. or Facebook, whatever. Yeah, and it's actually kind of sowing these seeds of chronic loneliness when they rely too much on these social networks. Things are harder for people. We Mm -hmm. might be okay with liking somebody's Facebook post or commenting, even if we don't really know them that well. Mm -hmm. But coming up to somebody in real life, all of a sudden we're vulnerable. And especially, like you say, young people who grew up with this, they are not just out of practice, but maybe just don't really know how to approach it at all. That's definitely something that we're seeing a lot of, too, is a lot of younger individuals coming up don't even have that baseline for what it means to really develop actual face-to-face social groups. In those respects, it might mean like that parent stepping in and actually like teaching and showing what it looks like to develop, making sure that that teen or that young adult is with you when you go to these social places. I like that idea of modeling behavior Mm -hmm. for others that are not used to it and for using the people, not using, but having the people that you already (laughs) care about in your life and making deeper connections with that base is a good way to start. Because I think I have a bit of a 
take on your personal story, Matt, as far as I feel like you started off as a personal trainer for fitness mm-hmm. purposes and then transitioned. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. I had my own little personal training business here in Chicago, and what I was starting to see was a lot of people coming in using their personal training sessions as their therapy sessions. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and this, yeah. people would joke, like, personal trainers are modern-day hairdressers. Right, bartender, yeah. Or bartender, yeah. there are still modern-day hairdressers and bartenders that do the same thing. But that was a big part of for a lot of people is to have this private, safe place they could talk about these things. What can we do if we see that there is someone calling out, almost mm. like that Aesop's fable with the little lonely shepherd boy who cried wolf because oh. he just wanted some attention and he just wanted some interaction and a little <laughs> something. But uh, what do you do when you find someone who you can tell they're, you see them going within, but you yeah. believe that they really want to kind of blossom out? Or if you're that person who is kind of calling out for help for loneliness, there's a couple of things here. As I said before, I think when it comes to loneliness and supporting people, this is the responsibility of our society as a whole. We do need more people that are willing to have those conversations, not being afraid to just say, hey, or not be afraid just to say, how are you doing? Can we do something as simple as ask him to go to lunch? Or how do we approach that without feeling like we're, you know, intruding? Yeah. Taking that step to be like, hey, what's up? You know, let's go grab some lunch together. Or, hey, do you feel like going for a walk together? Like, just something, like, kind of give them that space. And allow it to be on their terms. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be something where you're badgering them. Just kind of keep an eye on, on the people around you. I think that's something that we haven't forgotten how to do, but maybe it's a little bit out of practice with our society. Because we're so um, busy and we're so looking at our phones. <laughs> yes. We <laughs> have on social media, down. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or even well, we distrusting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's another thing. I mean, there's so many scams out there, like people emailing yeah. you and calling yeah. you and... Um, stranger danger, too. And stranger yeah. danger. There's a lot of stuff that you actually legit do need to worry about. It might mm-hmm. make us a little over-paranoid sometimes. And as parents, it makes us a little overprotective sometimes. That's true. And absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to put themselves in a situation where they are in danger. But that person that's maybe a secondary connection from your church or someplace that you go to on a regular basis that you just notice, or maybe you just want to get to know. There's nothing wrong with doing something like that within a certain scope of safety, within a certain scope of your protection first. We so. might even have to go back to the olden days where if someone... The olden days? The olden days. Where <laughs> like if the someone, 80s. Like the, the 80s. 80s. <laughs> Woo, yes. <laughs> like Madonna times and <laughs> Thriller. <laughs> and you actually just say, hey, my nephew just moved to the area. Could you just kind of look out for him or show him around the city a little bit? Just because yeah. I know you are safe and I know my nephew is safe and it doesn't have to be for dating purposes, but it can just be like show them around a little bit, start them off. I've had like alumni reach out to me before and just be like, hey, I'm moving to Chicago. Can you recommend any good restaurants? Um, and then it goes to, hey, do you mind grabbing some coffee with me sometime? Um, And it it is. I think people have kind of forgotten this very subtle art of just connecting with others. And it is an art. And I think a lot of people don't feel adequate. And this is kind of going back to some of the work that I do with people is breaking through some of these cognitive barriers that they have about who they are and what they have to give to other people. It doesn't always have to be what you can do for somebody else or what they can do for you. 
it can just be like, hey, we're both people. We're, we're, <laughs> we're both we just, people. Yeah. We're yeah. both here. Let's just connect. So. It doesn't have to have an ulterior motive or Mm-mm. anything like that. And people, I think, are often way more receptive and kind and open yeah. to that than you think. Because you might be intimidated again and say, oh, I don't want to reach out to that alumni person because they'll probably just brush me off. But first yeah. of all, if they do brush you off, oh, well, then they weren't for you. But many times people are way more open and willing to help mm-hmm. and open a door than you think. Yeah. We used to do an exposure. I used to work for this eating disorder group, and we used to do an exposure with people. And exposures are things that you put a person through that oftentimes is a fear or something that they have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of help them through it in a controlled environment, give them a safety net to fall back on. So an exposure that we used to do with people is we used to take them out to Chicago and just go up to a stranger and ask them for directions. Huh, but I like a this lot technique. Of yeah. And they were yeah. like, Google Maps, fool. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, do you have a phone? No, phone. <laughs> Maybe they were from the 80s and they pulled out their map. <laughs> those big paper maps? Yeah. Of those? They open oh that God, up for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we, I mean, we know it's this is a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they had this fear of, like getting their heads bitten off if they even talk to somebody. So being able to get them to go up to a stranger and be like, hey, how do you get to this store? Or I'm new to Chicago. How do you get here? And getting them to see, like, actually, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to, hey, I'm new in town. What do you recommend yeah. um, that I do, that I see, that I go experience? And once people start to see, like, actually, people aren't that bad and they welcome connection. And it's very rare that they're going to do something mean to you. Once people start to get comfortable with that, it's amazing how it can snowball into their confidence coming up and their ability to want to connect to others coming up. Because I I have an example. I have a personal example because I lived all these years, but for the first time ever, I got called for jury duty. And so, yeah, ooh, indeed, right? So I know that (laughs) there's going to be a lot of sitting, so I took a book with me. They won't let you take backpacks. There's all these stipulations. You can't take your cell phones. That's another thing. You cannot take your cell phones. I couldn't do that. Oh, yes, you'd have to. I know. You have to. In fact, I had to walk back all the way back to my car, (laughs) put it in the glove box, and then walk back again because they sent me away. But I just kind of figured that I was going to stay in my shell and read my book and not really talk to anybody and hope that I did not get called to actually do a case. And thank goodness I didn't get called to do a case, but I met a wonderful lady there named Helen who came up to me kindly and said, I see the book that you're reading and I've read it before and I just really loved it and just wondered how you're enjoying it. And we got to sit and talk for hours because you're there for hours. (laughs) But it was a, a simple way where I came in with a closed mind. She came in with an open mind and it was a blessing, I hope, for both of us, because I, I really like her. I just want to encourage others to consider doing the same thing. Maybe they would be the one to say they notice the book and ask about it. Just casual things when you're waiting in the lobby at the dentist's office or the doctor's office. Go yeah. ahead and say hey to the person sitting there waiting also, unless they're actively on their phone. <laughs> Which is probably 95.7% of the people. But maybe not, because in the doctor's office, sometimes they tell you to turn that cell phone off. Nobody pays attention to that. (laughs) (laughs) Fools are on their phone, man. (laughs) Yes. So I just, 
I think there's lots of good things. I'm wondering, we always have a time at the end of our session called Takeaway Time, and I just wanted the takeaway to be from you, Matt. What is one thing that you want to make sure that we remember? What's your parting piece of advice to us? So here's the call to action. Yes. All right. Um, If there's one thing that I would like people to just try, try to hold a seven-minute conversation with a stranger. Seven minutes? Why seven? That's about the time it takes to know whether or not this person is going to be somebody that you might actually want to let into your life. And scientists say so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. Matt says so, so I'm going to write that down. Okay. But yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be a time thing. I guess I'm kind of going more for looking at having something more substantial than, hey, how you doing? Or connecting with somebody that you haven't connected with in a while. Also, turning to that person next to you, turning to that person in your life, turning to that significant other in your life, and saying, hey, where are we going? How are we doing? And seeing what happens there. Because I think people just forget. It's so easy to forget. So those are some calls to action. Put the phone down and say, Sandy, (laughs) let's just talk for a little bit. Just, you know. Put the phone down for a second. Or as my husband would refer to my phone as my banky. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny to think of, like a phone as a security blanket. Yeah. Um. See? I don't think we can I'm have a whole either. different conversation around uh, internet addiction. Yeah, and- oh. I think it's more it's more <laughs> yeah. of a distraction than yeah. like a impediment to socialization for me. But I wonder sometimes if I had grown up with it, what would have happened? I'm really interested to see how that pans out with these generations. I mean, I have a six month old. We got her a toy iPhone. Um, oh boy! I was like, did I mean to do that? <laughs> You're a therapist <laughs> too, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she wouldn't stop messing with my iPhone. Please, yeah. I was like, oh no, this is how you're going to come up. And this is all you're going to know. That's what my yeah, husband parents. said. There's a generation of Instagram babies. They are used to yeah. being photographed and video. They have their own accounts too. Yes. Yeah. And it's you, just you could... uh, an interesting dynamic. It's not all it bad, is. but it is it's very not. different. Right. It is very different from how, like, how I came up, you know. In the olden days? <laughs> in the olden days. In the and 80s? It was inter- they, they did this study where they put kids on information. They had them look the information up, come back and report on it. And the majority of them weren't able to tell you the information they looked up, but they could tell you the website where you could find the information. Wow, that is like, interesting. Yeah. So wow. they can remember the website, but their their minds are having a hard time with the actual info that they got out of the website. So speaking of websites, what we'll do, I think, Matt, is get your website, which hopefully people will remember, and also say that I think maybe we have a topic for you next time, and that is maybe we go a little bit deeper into internet addiction. And um, because that's huge, right? And that's something you work with patients too. And video games are like a really big area that I'm working on right now. Love to talk about that. Cool. So where do we go and find out about Matt? So I'm here in Chicago, in a way. The website for the practice that I'm out of is chicagocompasscounseling.com, all one word. And you can find out more about me there and what I'm doing here in Chicago. We always put on our own website, imagineyourselfpodcast.com, the different links to our guests because there may be a question or there may be, if someone lives in the area, they may be interested in seeking therapy. They're also, so we just always want to make sure that we lay things out for our listeners. Absolutely. And I welcome any questions people have or any interest that they have in this topic. 
more than happy to talk to them about it, more than happy to give them some insights. I challenge everybody who is listening to take something from today's episode. I want to know what is every person going to do in their own personal life mm-hmm. to add to or make their life more full, if they're the person on the lonelier end or if they're the type of person who is not necessarily lonely but is interested in making connections and is willing to do like my fellow jury duty mate and just actually open up and start dialogue. And then, like you said, too, even go back to people in our own lives and check in on them in a deeper level. Could you imagine if we all did that? Imagine. <laughs> all right, wait a minute. So we can imagine ourselves. <laughs> I'm just going to say imagine yourself. Well, first, before that, I got to say thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for your knowledge, for your guidance in an area that you understand, that we understand now better. We see you out there, the people who feel lonely and unseen. Let's see you. Let's see one another. Imagine yourself breaking through these gates of loneliness, building bridges of connection, making sure that your heart remains a house of love for yourself and for others. Thanks for revisiting this episode on loneliness with us. Of course, with the pandemic, we do face new challenges and may have to connect with folks virtually or use other creative methods. More suggestions are on our blog at imagineyourselfpodcast.com. And we'd love to hear what you're doing to connect with others as well. Feel free to drop us a line. And until next time, when we have something new to imagine, take care of yourself and be kind to others.